Ephesians 2, verse 13. The verse we're committing to memory this July brings our attention to the marvel that the Christian, though ill-deserving, though we don't deserve it, the Christian is now near to God. Now in a position of peace with the Lord Almighty. Our text at the same time draws our attention not only to the privilege of being a Christian, but to the means, the one and only way by which someone may be near to God. That the blood of Jesus and only the blood of Jesus can bring the sinner near to God. This, dear brothers and sisters, is a divine message. It's a message full of hope. For the farthest from God, the farthest from God, is not too far that the blood of Christ cannot bring them near. So let us then turn to our text, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13. And, and please stand with me, if you would, as I read the word of the Lord. Ephesians 2.13 But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Amen. May the Lord bless this reading of His word. And apply it to our hearts. These words serve to introduce and summarize the gospel. They, they cut through all these side issues and important things. They cut to the heart of the matter. That the Christian is one who has a new position before God. One of peace. And that new position is based on one thing. Christ's blood. The words, but now in Christ Jesus, introduce a great transformation in the life of the people of God. The Apostle Paul is writing to former pagans. Men and women who worship many gods and many lords. And he writes to remind them of the work that God has done in their lives. He speaks of a time they were separated from Christ. Verse 12. Ephesians 2 verse 12. The time they had no hope and were without God. But now, verse 13, they are in Christ. Once they were far off, far from God. But now they are brought near. Now Paul isn't talking about geography here. 
He's addressing the status of the non-Jew in relation to God. The Gentile or the non-Jew didn't have the revelation of God in the Scriptures. They didn't know who He was. They didn't have knowledge of His promises. They were lost. Utterly and completely without God. Why does Paul remind these Christians of this? To emphasize to them the greatness, the magnitude of the salvation that took place when they were brought near to God. He wants them to see how far off they were so they would recognize the greatness of the gift they received. Well, this is good news not only for the, the Gentile, not only for a non-Jewish person, but also for the Jew. Paul says in another of his letters when he wrote to the church in Rome, he wrote in Romans chapter 3, what then? Are we Jews better off? Do we not need the gospel? No, not at all, he says. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin as it is written. None is righteous. No, not one. Romans chapter 3, verses 9 to 10. That's what God says about all humanity. Goes on in chapter 3 in a verse that Many are familiar with Romans 3.23 to say that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then verse 24 speaks of the work of Christ and His salvation. All people need this good news. Need the good news of peace with God. Now back in Ephesians chapter 2, we are discussing verse 13, which talks about being far off and being brought near. Well, Paul goes on in a, in a few verses in verse 17 and says that Christ came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. This was a promise. A quotation from the book of Isaiah. Paul quotes the promise of God in Isaiah 57 verse 19. This is what the Lord says. Peace. Peace to the far and to the near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. So here is this promise, a proclamation of peace that reaches to the farthest people, to not just those who are near, but to those who are far, to all peoples, to all nations. And Paul says this is fulfilled in Christ. This word from God wasn't an idle word. It's not the passing whim of a petty God who can't be trusted. 
This was the decree of God. That peace would extend to all peoples, whether you were a Jew or a Gentile. This is good news of peace for all peoples. It reaches to the most depraved sinner, to the most pagan of peoples. Brothers and sisters, this isn't just a mere token. This isn't like a prince passing by a poor beggar on the street and he throws him a couple of coins, some loose change. This is the Lord God Almighty, the King of the universe, declaring that He will take a people who are not His people, a people who once hated Him, and out of sheer goodness, out of the, the kindness of His own heart, set them at His table. Not just sort of on the outskirts there. I won't kill you. But to place them in fellowship with Him. Christian, to be near to God is not a small thing. Your Savior has not only promised, but He has brought you into His kingdom of power and glory beyond anything that you've imagined. He has called you friend. And you don't just know Him from afar, but as one who is near, as one who has the King's favor. This is a great privilege. It is offered not merely to a select few, but to all peoples. But it is all the more marvelous because not all receive this gift of nearness to God. Consider Isaiah 57, where Paul quotes Isaiah 57, verse 19. He highlights the mercy of God that He has decreed to save people from every nation, far and near. But in the same breath that peace and healing is proclaimed, to every corner of the earth, the Lord continues. This is His message to those who would reject that word of peace. Isaiah 57, verse 20. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God. For the wicked. There's no in between with Yahweh, the King of the nations. You're either blessed beyond measure or cursed with an endless restlessness. No peace for the wicked, says the Lord. The one who is far from God will receive not the friendship of God, but the eternal wrath of God. So, in another place, the Word of God declares, those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, which is that gospel of peace, 
proclaimed to all peoples. Those who don't listen will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. This is a dreadful thing. It's not mere poetry. It's not just put there to scare you because this is reality as God has decreed it for those who reject Him. Those who reject His offer of peace. So this isn't a mere side issue. As though it doesn't really matter where you stand with the Lord. One way or another, the scales will balance out. It'll be okay. That's not how it is. On the one hand is peace. And on the other, wrath. On the one hand is nearness. And on the other hand is absence. On the one hand is eternal life. And on the other, eternal destruction. This raises an important question. I hope you're asking this even now. How does one become near to God? How then do I have peace with God? The answer is found in the last phrase of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. It's put so simply. The great means, the only way a person may be near to God is that they have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Brought near by the blood of Christ. Let's look at those two things in um, each in turn. Have been brought near. This is a passive verb. Have been brought near. What is that? What is a passive verb? That tells us this being brought near is an action that's done to or for someone. Okay? So the person is not the one doing the acting, but is being acted upon or acted on behalf of. The one brought near is passive. The Christian does not bring himself near. Another agent is active in bringing him near. What then brings us near? The Christian has been brought near by the blood of Christ. It is by the blood of Christ. The only means by which one is brought near is through Christ's blood. You can talk all day long about a Savior full of love and grace and tell them to love their neighbor and do good and nobody's going to object to that. Such things sound good to the human heart. They're not untrue either. But talk about the blood of Jesus being shed to save souls and people squirm. 
The blood of Christ is scandalous to the world. The blood of Christ reminds the sinner of the great cost for sin. I can't just get away with whatever I want. It confronts us with the reality that sin requires a remedy beyond cosmetics and cleaning up one's act. You see, the Lord Himself declared the life of the flesh is in the blood. Leviticus 17, verse 11. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Folks, you need to understand something. Blood is more than hemoglobin. More than just cells, white blood cells and red blood cells running through your body. Without blood, there is no life. And that is precisely what God requires for sin. Life. The life of the sinner. When God said to Adam, for in the day that you eat of it, he was talking about the tree. That one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, Adam, this is not for you. You need to trust me. He said this, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. When God said that, He established once and for all that the payment for sin, the wages for sin, is death. It's reiterated by Paul in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. That is what our sins deserve. The cost for sin is one's life, one's blood. This involves not only the death of the body, but also separation from God. As Adam and Eve were separated from the garden of God by the flaming sword of the cherubim. Now all of this serves to bring us to the place where we can appreciate the blood of Christ. For just as God established the wages for sin, so He also determined the way in which one might again enter His presence. God is a God of mercy. He had mercy on Adam. He had mercy on Eve and on all humanity. And He has determined the way by which we might be saved. By which we might be near to Him again. That way, the only way the debt of sin might be forgiven according to God was that the blood of a perfect substitute would be shed on behalf of the sinner. Life was required. God is a God of justice. But as He is a God of mercy, so He provided a way or a substitute. The Gospel logic is this. 
Someone else must pay the wages for sin. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 9.22 Therefore, in Christ, God Himself was reconciling the world to Himself. He was about the business of making peace through Christ. For He made Him 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made Him to be sin who knew no sin. He was perfect. So that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ's blood brings us near for Christ gave His lifeblood. Taking on Himself sin's punishment. Standing in our place and dying the death that we deserve. So that the one who trusts in the blood would in exchange receive life. And that blood acts like a seal that guarantees peace between God. And all who would trust in the blood of Christ. It's a guarantee. That on judgment day. The Lord would not look. Upon us and treat us as our sins deserve. But would treat us as those who have been forgiven. Because the payment. For sin was made. The bottom line of the Gospel is that Christian hope and Christian unity isn't based on who you are or what you do. But that Christ shed His blood to bring the ill-deserving near to God. There's no other way The Christian gospel is God in Christ saying, I gave my blood. I gave my life for your life. Friendship with God comes not because of any goodness in us, not because of any religious things we've done. Not by religious practices. Study theology all you want. You can fast and you can... Give and be a kind person and pray to God. Such things are not enough. Friendship with God doesn't come by way of mystic practices. Being being mindful, looking within oneself. Friendship with God comes at the cost of Christ's blood. The Lord Jesus Himself put it quite plainly, and we would do well to listen to His words more. They're quoted often. But seldom do we think about their implications. John 14, verse 6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. No one. 
No one can be near to the Father, Jesus says, except through Him and through what He would go on to do for us on the cross. There is only one way to draw near to God. It's only Jesus. It's only His blood. So what? The call of God goes forth now. Still today, it's the same as when Isaiah spoke on the Lord's behalf and cried out peace to the far and to the near. Sinner, the call of God cries out peace by the blood of Christ. Peace to all, however far, however filthy. Peace to the one who would humbly receive the life of Christ and offer their life sinful and broken as it is to the Lord to offer your life to Him and He will bring a sinner near. The banquet hall of God is prepared. There are places yet for whoever would trust in Jesus, trusting only in His blood. This isn't the sort of thing where you've got to wait. I've got to sort my life out. I've got to figure things out. Even today, if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. The blood of Jesus is able to cleanse you. You confess your sins, He will cleanse you. Perhaps you have made a commitment to the Lord. You have prayed a prayer. You, you believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, but you struggle. The Apostle John reminds us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He'll cleanse us from any unrighteousness, whatever it is. He's so gracious. Christian, I hope that this Good news humbles you. That you can say, I too was far from God. I deserved only wrath, only judgment, but Christ gave His life for mine. So I am brought near. Let that humble you and let that fill you with joy. Be glad. And be encouraged. For you need look no further than the shed blood of Christ to be assured of the love of the Father. A love that remains. It's not dependent on how good you are, how faithful you are, but on how faithful He is. And He can 
strengthen you to walk with Him and to walk in a way that's pleasing to Him. You do that through the blood of Christ. The words of Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 to 22 are spoken to the Christian. This is you if you trust in the blood of Christ. Trusting in Him alone. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Christian, you have been brought near to God, brought near by the blood of Christ.